Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Welcome back, guys. DG and KMOX. Happy Tuesday. Gorgeous day out there. Have a think tank coming up later with Ian Mackey and Judge Tom Frawley. Have a lot to talk about. Ricky Horton will join us in this hour. A lot to talk about there as well. So this week, several uh, hostages who had been held in Iran for differing amounts of time were uh, released. And there's been a lot of controversy over that uh, because $6 billion of their money was unfrozen. And, and now we're putting sanctions on them and, and X, Y, Z. And it's, it's complicated to me. I, I don't have a, a great hot take on this for you. But I do have a great guest for you. Uh, one of my best friends in the world happens to be Rocky Sickman, who spent 444 days uh, as a guest of uh, the Republic of Iran. And he joins us now. Rock, always great to talk to you. Dave, back at you, buddy. Thank you so much. So we all watched them walk down the you know the gangway of the plane. Uh, I hope you did. Uh, and if so, uh, your reaction had to bring back a lot of memories. You know what, Dave, it, it was. And those individuals um, have to be very, very happy. Obviously, freedom is everything. And you don't know that until it's been stripped from you. And, uh, you know, yes, for my uh, 444 days, every day I wake up, uh, every day is a, a wonderful day. And so I know those individuals, along with their families that have been waiting for a long time, have uh, are very excited to get them back together. And I, I look at my poor parents, what they had to go through for 444 days. I want your listeners, those of you that have families out there, imagine one of your loved ones being taken hostage. How do you, how do you wake up and, and try to go about your business for 444 days? So I know that those individuals that were held are very excited. And I know their families have got to be ecstatic also. Rock, uh, I've heard your story, which you so graciously told over hours uh, once in, in Bulger's basement, and and you've been you know kind enough to tell your story on my show many times. Uh, less time here, but if you could either relate a couple stories of your time in Iran, or maybe just the the treatment in general overall, because some of these hostages today we're talking about, oh, it was absolutely awful, and we slept on floors, and we were mistreated, and we were this, and we were that. For people out there who may be a little too young to know your name, maybe uh, give them a little uh, taste of your experience. Wow, Dave, there, there's a lot. Uh, obviously, 444 days. But yeah, it was the um, the Shah of Iran had been allowed into the United States uh, two weeks prior to November 4th, 1979. And uh, it just so happened that President Carter was uh, told in a meeting uh, about this. And he turns to his staff and said, what are you going to do if the Islamic Republic of Iran takes her people hostage? Interesting enough, Dave, two weeks later, that's what happened. That morning, November 4th, 1979, we were ser serving at the American embassy in Iran, and we were supposed to be protected by the host government, which the Islamic Republic of Iran. I can tell you that the morning, November 4th, and I would go to my grave and I will tell everybody that morning when I looked at the front gate, there was nobody there protecting us. And so they came over the wall. Uh, we secured the chancery. Seven Marines secured it for four hours waiting for the host government to come. 
Obviously, they started to bring people, Americans, to the door where we had barricaded ourselves up to the very top. They had broken through the basement. The second thing I will never forget is that they used Iranian women in black shadows and used them as shields, knowing that we would not shoot unarmed innocent women. And we were being screamed, don't fire, don't retaliate. And Billy Gallegos and I were down in the basement. Tear gas was popped. We then fled. We were trying to wait and stall for the host government to come. Obviously, uh, that never happened. And that morning, November 4th, 1979, um, we were stripped of our freedom, our dignity, and our pride, known for the Iran hostage crisis. I mean, the first 30 days, Dave, we were uh, tied, uh, not allowed to speak other than our interrogations. Uh, And then uh, spent my first Thanksgiving, my first Christmas, uh, tied. And uh, we spent our first New Year's Eve, and it was 1980. April uh, 25th, we had no idea that the United States uh, attempted the most daring rescue operation in American history. They sent uh, individuals over, uh, made it halfway into the country of Iran to try to regain our freedom because they had heard that we were going to be put on trial. Uh, The hanging judge was going to uh, trial us in the uh, city of Tehran, the capital. And so um, we had no idea. By that night of April 25th, they uh, moved us because they thought the United States was still attempting to try to come in. There just so happened to be a crash of a CH-53, C-130 in the desert. Um, and uh, the Americans, American government, uh, they, um, they exited the uh, country um, because everything was going uh, crazy at that time. And so we as hostages knew that something was happening that day, but um, the captors were running back and forth. We were locked in a room, Dave, for 400 days. I mean, we went outside myself. And again, all these captors that are coming home, they're all going to have different stories. And myself and all the other people that were held with me those uh, 444 days, there's a different story. Uh, But that, I can tell you, that day of uh, April 25th, they were running crazy, and that night they came running into our room. We didn't know it, that they had found the charred bodies of eight servicemen that uh, gave their life trying to regain my freedom. And um, they thought that the United States was still coming in to try to rescue us, so they moved all the hostages to another uh, city within Iran uh, south. They drove us uh, with handcuffed, blindfolded, with a blanket over top of us uh, for two days, two different days. And uh, we stayed there until not only were we held hostage, but now there was a war with Iran and Iraq that took place, Dave. And uh, they brought us back, put us in the Veen prison where I spent my next uh, Thanksgiving, my second Christmas. And then they put us into a, another location. It was January 20th, 1981, when all of a sudden they took us from our room, blindfolded us. Every time they moved us, we were blindfolded. And... Um, all of a sudden this night, I heard something that I had prayed for. I had cried for. I had hoped for this opportunity. It was an airplane. I heard the sound of this jet engine being blindfolded. Your heart is just like getting ready to rip out of your chest. You're so excited. And all of a sudden, the vehicle stops right behind the airplane. And the force is pushing against the vehicle. And they told us to unblindfold. And you start to unblindfold. And here you are looking at people that you hadn't seen for 444 days, you look bad, you smell bad, and you're in shock. You don't know what's happening. And all of a sudden, they put us onto an a, a airplane, uh, the back tail section. We walk up the back plank and put us down, and all of a sudden, they start closing the door. And you're looking around saying, wait, where, where's everybody else? Where's, where's Gene? Where's Judy? Where's Debbie? Where's, where's, uh, where's Kurt? Where's everybody else? 
And they said, no, you're the last. And other people were let go a year earlier. We had no idea that other hostages had been uh, let go a year earlier and that we were the remaining 52 because you could not leave anybody over there. Uh, the pair of pants I was wearing, I'd worn for over 200 days. It wasn't pretty. My cheek was completely hanging out of it. Um, but, you know, we were still unsure because they were chanting death to America and you're boarding an airplane. And that doesn't go well, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, the pilot gets on the uh, the intercom and says, uh, please be seated, broken English. And we didn't realize they were Algerians. They were our mediators. And that plane had sat there for three days because the United States government paid the Islamic Republic of Iran $8 billion in gold on January 17th. And Dave, you know what? That's interesting. Our captors, they, they told us, it is not you, the American people, we hate. It's your government, but we will use you to humiliate your government. And they have been doing it for 44 years. And you know that night, we had no idea um, what was going on back home. We're on this airplane. The pilot gets to the end of the runway. He's getting ready to rev. He's got the foot on the brake, and he's accelerating. The plane's shaking, and all of a sudden comes back down to an idol. And they threw all the mock firing squads to rush from the lake. You're sitting there thinking they're messing with us one last time. Sure enough, they turned the runway lights off because President Carter was still in office. They waited 20 minutes. You have to give them credit, Dave. They, they know how to humiliate us, and they've done it to every president. And this is President Biden's humiliation from the Islamic Republic of Iran, and it hurts. And that night, the plane finally took off, and it wasn't until we got into Turkish airspace that we came unglued. We knew then that we were freed, and the rest is history. We could be here all day uh, yeah. telling different stories. So uh, the, the most—I uh, always make you say this, uh, and I apologize, but it, it's always affected me since I heard it the first time all those years ago. You came home. You— Married your sweetheart, you had beautiful kids, you had a great career at AB, uh, but you say, going back, if you had it to do over again, you'd give it all up if you could have just pulled that trigger. Absolutely. Uh, Dave, I'm telling you, the war on terrorism started November 4th, 1979, when the Islamic Republic of Iran humiliated us. They attacked our American embassy and took diplomats hostage. I mean, and what happened? We paid them. We froze their assets. And then eventually we found out as we were in prison uh, from a sports uh, uh, news piece from St. Louis, Missouri, that the Shah had died in July of 1980. It wasn't until October we found out he was dead. And we're sitting there thinking, well, if he's dead, how in the heck are we going to go home? (laughs) So little do we realize um, the assets that we had frozen, we unfroze them. You know, because of what the wrongdoing was, what they did. And so, you know, it all started November 4th, 1979. And the Islamic Republic of Iran knows by taking hostages. You know, the Iranian people are are wonderful people. The Mullahs are thugs and the Revolutionary Guard are terrorists. And they continue to terror the world to this day. And it is. It's very sad. I wish I could go back. And my wife does hate that when I say it. But Billy and I both, we wish that we would have pulled the trigger and uh, we would have gone against our direct orders, but uh, you just wonder what would have happened yeah. at that time. Well, since then, Rocky has used his uh, clout celebrity, however you want to say it, to raise money for veterans. And uh, this uh, coming October 28th, we'll be doing our second Folds of Honor Gala. I will be the host. Rocky will be there. Tickets are available. Uh, so, Rock, I will see you there. Thank you again, my friend. I always appreciate it. 
No, thank you, Dave. Look forward to uh, seeing you. And uh, remember, freedom is not free. And honor their sacrifice, educate their legacy at Folds of Honor. So thank you. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Roger that, sir. So if you guys listen to the show all the time, you know that we have a shared Google Doc where everyone gives me their suggestions for good stories. Everyone does a great job. But no one can compete with Andrew. Uh, here's his his first suggestion. It's amazing how many traffic accidents are avoided by just being weary of people driving like jackasses. Coming from the guy who literally reads a book on his way home mm, and refuses yeah. to get out of the left lane. Do you, are you aware of the irony there, or was it lost on you? I see no irony there. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I see it, but I, I, I see no, I like, I acknowledge no irony there because... These are, I'm talking about like when I'm trying, there's this construction going on, uh, 70 close to 44, where you have to merge into one lane and people are like going into, onto the exit to Tucker and trying to like swing across the double white lines to get, which happened when I was driving in today, I was driving my wife to work and, uh, just multiple times I had to like slam on the brakes or they would have hit me or I would have hit them or something like that. And it's just incredible to me. How there's not just accidents nonstop. It's funny you say that. I have written on my sheet here, Blue Angels, because as I was driving in today, and this this happens about once or twice a year, it just strikes me. I was going about 65 down 40, and I looked to my right, and there's a car, and we're 10 feet away, 8 feet away, and it's like, this is, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. This is nuts mm-hmm. that people don't die by the dozen in St. Louis every single day just from driving. Just from like driving a vehicle that fast, that close, taking turns, like oh, you're giving me anxiety acknowledging <laughs> it. I I try not to think about this stuff because if I think about it too much while I'm driving, I get extremely anxious. But today I was on 70 today too, and uh, going to Illinois, and someone had stopped in the middle of the lane to try to merge into another lane. Like they stopped, stopped, stopped on the highway. It was ridiculous. Talk to wheels about Highway 70. Mm-mm. It's the I mean, worst. The it's literally road. the worst of everything. There's always trash or pieces of automobiles that are on the shoulder. So if you ever had to move to go around somebody, you're crashing into mm-hmm. something. There's potholes. By the way, update on the potholes. They declined my claim. <gasps> what? Yeah. But based yeah. on what? Did they uh, give you a reason? Because apparently because nobody had reported it before oh. it destroyed my oh. tire. Oh. I'm, yeah, I'm going to see if there's an appeal thing. But like MoDOT, that's not cool. You had a giant gaping hole in the highway. My car hit it. And because nobody else had called and made them aware of so, it. So that means that. So the, the first next person guy? that hits a pothole mm-hmm. is just SOL. You just SOL. Like, too bad for you. You're the first sucker. You suck. Like, come on, man. That's, that's mm. just that's just. That, there's no question to me that is simply designed to get out of your responsibilities. Because you you cost people. People are getting caught. You're blowing tires, screwing up alignments. All those kinds of things are happening daily. And because we're so far behind on repairing highways, we can't keep up. And now it's basically on the rest of us who are already paying the taxes to keep the highways up. That's crap. But yeah, that's part that of seventy. Crap. But also, the whole you, you, I haven't seen I haven't seen a speed trap on I seventy inside one seventy in ten years. Yeah, I mean you just go one hundred ten, you're fine. It's the autobahn. Yeah, yeah, just do what you want. That's pretty insane. Can I complain about something unrelated? Yep. 
So I recently got rid of Charter, and they were like, all right, now all that's left to do is return your Charter box. And I'm thinking, I didn't even want this thing. You forced me to get it. Like, I could have, mm-hmm. why can't you use just like a normal modem, a nor- normal router? And I had made a note in my phone the date I needed to take it to the UPS store. That was the only way to return it was to find a UPS store and have them ship it, which is a giant pain in the butt. Like, just taking away from my normal routine. And I thought I had a couple more days. It was on the 14th. So now I'm like, am I going to get charged another yeah, month go for to this? cable jail. This is so stupid. I shouldn't <laughs> even have this thing. You shouldn't have forced me to rent your equipment. And if they uh. do, then they, what they should do is send you... Yeah, send me a, a way a to return it. A postage stamped box. You put it in there, and then you just drop it well, off Well, because I was like, well, can't I take it to the charter store? I know where one of those is. And they were like, no, you have to go to a UPS store okay. and give them your account Okay, number. I'll go. I got one. I wish I were taller and had hair. Here we go. <laughs> there you go. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Sorry, but back I wanted... itches, I can't, I can't reach it. Sorry, it was just the spirit of the segment. I was no, like, I, I gotta yep. get this out of there. I think you have a valid complaint. Right? 234 DG As we have Ricky Horton coming up next. Stairway to Kevin, Dave Murray. Then we have the Think Tank with Ian Mackey and Judge Tom Frawley. We'll talk about this with the judge and uh, Ian. But you guys see the stuff. Well, I know you did because we talked about it at lunch. With uh, The case against Donald Trump is getting stronger and stronger with the documents case. Um the the worst thing like the worst thing going to happen to me would be like one of you guys flip right because telling <laughs> all Dave's secrets right, yeah. I mean, like we we see each other completely everything right and so Donald Trump's personal assistant in the White House who went on to be his personal assistant in Mar-a-Lago turns out she is uh, uh, the unindicted co-conspirator number two in the Mar-a-Lago case. And what we know happened, according to her, is that while in the White House, Donald Trump would get uh, classified briefings every day and he would get a document or a note card to go along with that that was marked, you know, classified. How would they do that? And that many times he would then flip it over and write a to do list for her. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds like something that SNL would do or The Onion but this seems to be, at least according to her allegations, the truth. So he would take the classified documents, flip them over, make her a to-do list, and give them to her. And when she went to Mar-a-Lago, she took those with her. When the FBI did their raid, they didn't find them. And so then she was looking around her desk, and somehow in her desk, they were stuck in there. And so she reached out to the DOJ and said, hey, I have some things that you didn't get. And uh, she arranged to have them sent to the FBI. They they have them now, and it's part of Jack Smith's case. And then when she told the former president, hey, I've been subpoenaed to go talk to whoever, uh, she says that he said, you don't know anything about those boxes, which is not good. I, you know, I mean, that's that's like kind of classic witness tampering. And this is look this don't kill the messenger. I'm just telling you what is made the the major news outlets now. So that is uh, that's not good for his case. I'm always interested by stuff like that when it comes down to the he said she said with Donald Trump because I I feel like half the country goes like yeah he probably did say that but unless you can prove it it doesn't really matter. It doesn't no matter really who ma- says it. yeah no matter who says it or how whatever. many people say it. And there's been so many times where it's like oh he's good for it but. But there's no proof, so he's not good for it. 
if that makes any sense. No, it does. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, um, believe me, with zero legal background other than watching Law & Order for like the first 12 years it was on. <laughs> well, that's a legal background. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit. <laughs> but, I mean, is this more of just telling the story? Because you're going to have to have, like, hard evidence that's going to that's gonna directly say this is what he did, whether it's a recording, whether it's, you know, in the documents themselves. You know, we have the one recording, but all we hear are papers. You don't see yeah. them. So what he didn't he say those were just newspapers. Yes. That's all I was showing anybody. My understanding uh, is that this kind of a case is very much like being pulled over and they have you on radar going 90 miles an hour. And uh, it doesn't matter why you're going 90 miles an hour. You're going to nine miles an hour. You're going to get a ticket. And in, in this kind of a case, you can't have these documents. And he did. Right. And therefore, you've committed this crime. And I guess, uh, like, saying that Biden had them or Pence had them or Obama had them is not a defense. Like, that's not something that you would bring up at trial. They'd be like, oh, you're you're not guilty. Uh, but if his, like, I declassified them with my mind or that kind of thing, at least would be an argument that he would bring up and that he would make. The stuff like the the tape or the recording of him flourishing them and showing the people and... And saying we didn't declassify right. these. Yeah. And then his personal assistant saying, oh, yeah, he used to give me a to-do list on classified documents. To me, and again, no expert, but to me, those are sort of like, damn, right? Like, if all you have to prove is that you you can't have these, you had them, you're guilty. Those kind of things are just like salt in the wound or gas in the fire where it's like, oh, this was this was especially bad. This wasn't just a yeah. technical violation. This was a real violation. That's the way I think the prosecution is going to yeah. play it. Does, does it in the stories, did it make clear whether or not she was allowed to have access to those documents? It did not. Because that's a big thing, too, right? Like yeah. if she wasn't cleared to have access to whatever he wrote the notes on, that would be another violation, wouldn't it? You would think so. But 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 I did not see that. Okay, I don't know. Um, so we'll talk about that coming up in the think tank. Uh, completely different story. But I, I've seen this story, and I'm glad you brought it up, uh, Rage, because I wondered what your take was about the mom and the son and the football and the hug. Oh my goodness! So there's a viral video going around where I guess the son just won his football game, and sixteen year old boy mom comes up to him, and she's it doesn't matter what she's wearing, but to paint a picture, she's wearing like high heels, and she's she's looking cute. She's dressed out. She mm -hmm. yeah she's yeah. she's having a going club. But night. that's also like if I remember, this is in the South, right? I don't know where it happened. It, it, for high school football in some places, it is a big to-do. Okay. Like, that's not a... It's not everywhere, but in some places, people do, like, get dressed up and make a big deal out of it. So he... I guess his team won, and she goes up to give him a hug, but she doesn't just give him a hug. She jumps into his arms and wraps her legs around his waist, kind of, and... Lots of people on the internet, in my opinion, rightfully so, are going, that's weird. <laughs> you kind of took that to a level of, I mean, I'm not saying anything's going on or anything, but it looks weird on camera. And it was, I, I understand that you guys recorded it as like a sweet moment, but other people are going to look at that and go like, huh, strange. So she's hitting back now and just saying like, this is just how we are. You people are perverts. Leave us alone. But 
I my take on it is we're allowed to think this is strange if we want to think because it's not typical. You don't typically see no. a grown woman jump into her teenage son's arms and wrap her leg like wrapping your legs around someone is a move. And I don't think we're all crazy for going like, hmm, weird. No, that's weird. It's, it's a little odd. And have you ever seen that ever in real life? Have I ever seen a mother do that no, to her son? I mean, no, I have not. I've been around a lot of sporting events. I've never seen that. Yeah. Have you seen the picture, Dave? Yeah, I have. It's something. What's your take, Dave? Because you, I don't know. I don't know how to read you right now. Oh, I think it's very odd. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Um, I'm, you know, the whole like social media thing's a little bit lost on me. In that, like, I don't know that anyone's saying like investigate. No, but it's it's definitely weird. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's definitely odd. Well, here's the thing, like, to me, like, come on, dude, like, to the mom, don't be shocked that in your hot mom outfit you jump up and wrap your legs around your son. Like, don't be shocked. That when you when you post it, <laughs> that we might go, mm, that's that's yeah. creepy. Yeah. My whole thing is like, look, if that's the way you guys are with each other, that's fine. Families do things with each other all the time. Some families kiss on the lips, some don't. You know, it's yeah. And for the people who don't kiss on the lips, the kissing on the lips can seem kind of weird. Like you're allowed to have opinions yeah. about other people's behavior. My whole thing is, she kind of made the the win about herself at that point because she's treat. To me, to, like, leap into someone's arms and wrap your legs around him, like, that's something you do with a partner. Like, you're treating your son like Like, he's your husband or something, and you're kind of making the moment about you. Anyone who listens to the show, who follows it, knows Phoebe Glover is never doing that with dad. (laughs) 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 Under any circumstances. Uh, Like, I'm lucky to get a hug. But if she did do that in exuberance and someone photographed it and it went viral, uh, I would not be shocked that people thought it was weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't think people should be, because you know how it is. Like, some of the reactions are just way over the top. Like, oh, look at her grooming her son. I mean, yeah. I literally saw that on social media. Like, okay, that's, a that's too far. Yes. And it's and it's also too far to do that and not think people are going to go, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Like, that is a lot, especially when, um, you know, when you're, and I, look, the story, the backstory of it is pretty deep right like this kid's dad committed suicide a couple years ago oh, wow, his mom is like the biggest thing in his life and he told this story and that does add context but it's still weird yeah we're allowed it's to still, go like ah, it's strange. still strange like <laughs> just by the definition of saying do you have you ever seen this i'm 52 i've never seen that I, a, I still think it's i still think it's weird posting stuff like I'm still kind of back when the whole thing started, and I remember seeing the first viral uh, a guy who was uh, proposing to his girlfriend on the beach, and something went haywire. Who knows? A mm. pigeon flew up his butt, and, <laughs> and I, just, I just remember going, maybe even to rage or to Andrew, like, why did he do that? Why? That's a that's a precious, intimate moment. Why yeah. would you? Why am I seeing? This? Why would you share this? Yeah, exactly. Mm. What was? What was the end game here? You know, like, what were you thinking was going to happen? 250DGS, Ricky Horton joins us. Hey, Rick. Hey, Dave. How are you today? Good, pal. So, I think everyone in St. Louis was watching or listening last night. Uh, I know that you have known Adam since he came up in the organization. Did he get a little emotional for you last night? Oh, yeah. There, there's no doubt. I mean, I've, I've kind of seen his whole career. And, and you know, you realize he came up as a young guy just trying to find his way and you know, you, we all knew he had a good curveball. You were wondering how that would translate to the big leagues. And, 
you know, all these years later, he's won uh, 200 games. I just saw Adam down in the clubhouse. Got to give him. Was able to give him a big hug. So yeah, emotional for anybody that's ever known Adam because you know he's such a wonderful guy. He really is, and and just a, a great milestone yesterday. And Dave, it felt like a Cardinal game yesterday. Sure I, that's, did. That's, yeah. how I, that's how I keep describing it. It's like we haven't had enough of those days. Uh, you know, talking with my daughter about it, she said, "Well, opening day was like that," and I said, "Yes," and I been trying to figure out another day where it felt like that <laughs> yeah. other than last night. And and you you obviously get this. No big league big no big league pitcher wins a game that they don't deserve, but he really yep. earned it. He really like he said he was his old self. Yeah, no, he was really good. He did a lot of things well um on the mechanical side and he, and he's kind of introduced a new wrinkle about another arm angle. I mean, he just he's just kind of like an artist and you got to figure out what works and he figured out what works and you know, I mean, the whole idea is to try to finish well. And, you know, if that's his last game as a Cardinal, he finished well. And I don't know if it is for sure that has, announcement hasn't been made. But I think the – at least to me it's not. But but it, re, honestly, it would be a great way to ride off into the sunset sure when, when you have a game like he did last night. Yeah, at the end of the game last night, I thought to myself, you'd never get me on that mound again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good walk-off, yeah. And yeah, I, I, well, yeah. Perfect. I can't take credit for this. Wheels really brought it up, but how emotional Contreras was, and yeah. what a great uh, arc of a season it's been for him. Well, and there's no question, and Adam was in tune with that, too, and he talked about the fact that, you know, he kind of, you know, I had my own ups and downs. Adam's been very open about that. It's not as if it's been an easy season for him, and clearly is not, but but I think he understands and recognizes that it wasn't for Wilson either, and he said several very kind of uh, supportive things of Wilson, like, uh, you know, look, it's been hard for him early on getting to know the players, all that stuff. He's come a long way. And, and I think, you know, his emotions was, was, was partly that he had a Cardinal moment. He finally was able to have mm. a Cardinal moment. You know, uh, it, it's tough being the not Yachty guy all the time. And, and, you know, Yachty, we can think of a thousand moments with Yachty and Leno and Yachty in postseason and all of that. And, and this was a, a Wilson Contreras moment catching, uh, Adam Wainwright and his 200th victory. And, you know, we, we don't have to talk about Yachty when we talk about that. It was those two guys getting it done. Yeah, that's very cool. You know, one of the one of the things that's a draw out of sports, Rick, and especially baseball, is is the historical perspective, right? It, it's not that the numbers directly compare, but when you can say that in, a, in the history of the Cardinals, more than 100 years, he's only the third guy to win 200 right. games in a Cardinals uniform, right. that's something. Yeah, and, and the first guy, none of us really know. We've heard about him, Jesse Haynes, but uh, but we certainly know who Bob Gibson was. Right. I, I think everybody knows that name. But the point is, there's three people. There have been great pitchers too. You think about, you know, Carpenter and mm-hmm. uh, you know, so so many. You know, Steve I mean, Carlton, Dizzy a lot of guys. Dean, were, yeah, Dizzy Dean, guys who were great as a Cardinal, but maybe played other places too. You know, uh, John Tudor would be in that category. Yep. So you've got Cardinal Hall of Famers, and then and then you've got the guys who. Who've uh, stood out, and I, you know, I've always felt that that Bob Forsh was a top three Cardinal pitcher, and now Adam Wainwright. You know, they're the they're the Mount Rushmore right now. Those four Haynes and and Gibson and Bob Forsh and and Adam Wainwright. 122 pitchers now have won 200 games in the big leagues, and that is getting, as you guys know, harder and harder to do the way the game has unfolded. So you win 200 now. That's different than winning 200 when Jesse Haynes did it. So, Rick, we all know that the Cardinals need pitching in the offseason. They've talked about Nola. I know that uh, Wheels is a big fan of Snell. Anyone else out there you'd like to see them take a look at? Well, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of guys that you'd kind of like to have. And, and you know, the question is, what are they going to cost? I mean, I think those two guys are certainly on the list. Um, 
you know, there's there's several other guys. I'm I'm trying to think of specific names. But, you know, it seems like when we see them, we say, yeah, I like that guy, I like that guy. But the, you know, the contract is obviously an important part of that. Are they are they actually kind of um, available even, or right. or what would it take to get them? What's their age? What's their kind of horizon? And you know, I think those are t- are two very good names. Yeah, there's you know some of the other names that would people would recognize like Eduardo Rodriguez will probably opt out in Detroit. Um, you know, one one of the big names rightfully is now removed from this, which changes it. Julio Arias was going to be a free agent, but obviously he may never play baseball again after some of the yeah. off the field allegations. No. But there are two, just, yeah. there are two good ones from Japan that are coming over. One yeah. is in his thirties, and he was one of the stars of the WBC. One was is twenty five, a little younger. There's Sonny Gray. I mean, there there are names, well, but there's going to be competitive for the competition with those guys. I was actually trying to think of another name, and you just came up with it. It was not; it was escaping my uh, my mini brain there. But Sonny Gray is yeah. a guy I'm certainly interested in. I mean, he's a guy that could be a number two or a number three. He's actually pitching better than that than a number two right now. So Sonny Gray is is, is a guy I'd be interested in. And 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 you, you know, obviously, you kick the tires on the on the pitchers in Japan and and hope that they uh, can come over and translate into something here. And uh, you know, uh, there's you have to be very shrewd. I think at this point, you don't want to get a guy when he's kind of on the downslope because mm-hmm. now you sign him for three or four years and now you're stuck with something that you didn't really want. You know, we've seen teams do that in terms of the free agency. They go out and get the guy who was good, and then they're stuck with him for three years, and then they have the same problem three years later. We don't want to do that. Have a great game tonight, Rick. Thanks. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.